there is a library that exists at the Nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Welcome back to the Eternity Archives. We are playing Wander Home and finishing Wander Home this episode. My name is Dorka, my pronouns are she, her, and I play Zen, the uh, scoundrel, vagabond, lizard lady in this world of animal people, and in general, but especially so today. And these are my co-hosts and their characters. Please introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Eva. My pronouns are she, her, and I play Linda, who is normally an adorable human office lady, but is currently an adorable hedgehog bumblebee shepherd. Just keeping an eye on all those bumbles. Hey there. My name is Bappy. My pronouns are they, them, and I play really Jaquel, who is a tiefling, but is a sheep, a sheefling, as we've determined. So as we've played our game of Wander Home, we've noticed that like folklore and storytelling has come up a lot and will continue to. So our icebreaker question for today is, what is everyone's favorite fairy tale or folklore? I hope this one counts because it's sort of like right in between folklore and mythology. But um, I always really liked like the Persephone story, even when I was like a little kid. I was like, that is the coolest gothest explanation as to why we have winter and spring and summer. And uh, I don't know, I just always really liked it. It's just like a super interesting and beloved favorite of mine. I like retellings. I like it nice and classic. I like feminist reclamations. I like all of it. Just give me that Persephone story a billion times, please. Seasonal story is also very thematic for Wander Home vibes. Yeah, absolutely. I used to play a game called Ragnarok Online, which had like nothing to do with Norse mythology, but it got me into Norse mythology. So I guess I'm, I'm really into Norse mythology. I don't know any particular story. I guess like just any of the little details and bits. Like there's always that one story where Loki fucked a horse to like, I don't know. Distract. <laughs> Is that your favorite? <laughs> that, I don't know if that's my favorite, but it's just like a funny one to bring up. And then he had like an eight-legged horse baby that he gave to maybe Odin or something. I don't remember. It's just cool. Like there's at the end of the world, there's going to be a big, cool, epic battle with a giant snake and a big wolf and whatever. I don't know. It's just cool. <laughs> well, I, I guess I'm going to forgive you both for going with mythology instead of like folklore, because I also strayed slightly from the prompt because my favorite folklore, I would say, is more fictionalized. I'm going with old gods of Appalachia on this one. Excellent choice. Like it's based in like real folklore and 
is just like so steeped in this really niche Appalachian culture that like most people have no idea about. But it's also like really near and dear to me and my heart because I spent a lot of time like in the Appalachian Mountains and like grew up around that general area. And I don't know, like I think it it does what folklore is supposed to do, which is like makes me feel like sort of a connection with like the land around me. The Old Gods of Appalachia podcast could not be further from Wander Home and the vibes we're going for today. But like that vibe of like connection with the land and the people around us, I think, is shared in a way. Yeah, absolutely. And they're coming out with the tabletop game. Yeah, I I have kickstarted it and I am Same. waiting. We could play creepy Wander Home. Oh, yeah. Let's play creepy Wander Home. Hell Yeah. <laughs> but not today. Today we're going to finish playing Wholesome Wander Home, and I am just really excited to wrap this one up and get into our discussion. So are y'all ready to, to put a pin in this one to, to celebrate? Yeah. Let's do it. I'm ready All to right, eat more let's... cheese and get another stomach ache. Yeah, let's party. There was a flimsy spot on the stairs. And they just stepped right through it and just, like, fell. <laughs> Face first, right in front of Big Berta. Yeah. <laughs> and they just land in a bunch of honey. <laughs> and the, the jar that they had just, like, bonks them on the head. And it's like, ow, fucking God. <laughs> and just in front of them is Big Berta, who is just sleeping very peacefully. And Rill's just like, oh, fuck me. Uh, and they're just looking back and forth like around the room to try to figure out what to do outside of the tree Zen is like Rill's been in there a long time do you think they're okay maybe we should go in after them they, they might be okay but but um I mean I don't I don't hear Big Berta waking up or anything um but but you know just to make sure they're not they're not stuck or something like that we should probably go after them yeah hey kid you're good out here right they nod at you very aggressively uh not moving their eyes away from real shrine they're watching extremely closely <laughs> to make sure nothing bad happens yeah we should we should leave the kid out here they've got their job they're not gonna wander away i think they're fine and linda goes over and, and wraps her cloak around them and then gets on her game face and is like right let's go make sure real's okay and meanwhile, in the basement, Rill is just like, oh, God, fuck. But they are in the basement and they do have a jar with them. So I think they very slowly just start trying to shovel honey into the jar. <laughs> Linda is going to um, go up to the, the dark hole in the tree and uh, peek her head in. Uh, she's going to give her a second. Give herself a second for her eyes to adjust and then uh, peer around trying to uh, see what's going on. She doesn't see real, but she also doesn't see Big Birdo, so she's going to go ahead and take a step all the way in so Zen can follow. And Zen will squeeze through the opening behind her. It's a pretty tight fit. This is a precarious opening. So we're all in the tree now. 
Babby, you've said basement a few times. By that, do you just mean the ground level, or is there like? A- <laughs> I mean, you could make a bait. Well, could you make a basement? A bee well, basement? It, it could yeah. be more like in like uh like Big Barda like dug into the roots a little bit. Yeah. Oh. So I am imagining we're just seeing like rail like covered in honey. Yes, and I'm just on my hands and knees, just scrambling to shove honey in this jar. <laughs> and the bee is snoozing. Yeah. And I think she's still snoozing. I think we're okay for now. When Linda sees Rill, like, scooping honey into the jar, I think she's gonna get closer and try to use her her crook as, like, a honey shovel. And try to (laughs) shove a bunch in there. And Zen's just like, Rill, are you okay? Rill just kind of looks back and forth to try to find you guys. And I guess you're, like, peeking in through the hole that I fell through? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I'm a little banged up, but other than that, I'm good. And, you know, stuck in here with a giant bumblebee, but I'm I'm good. All right. I'm glad to hear it. Are there more jars? Yeah. If you if you go up just a few more floors, there's, there's a whole bunch of, like, jars and vases and stuff like that. Do you want us to, to do that, or do you need help getting out of there? I think go ahead and do that, and I'll just wait for you guys down here and hope I don't die. I don't think bees mind when you take their honey, right? Um... Linda? uh, They (laughs) mind a little bit, so let's get this show on the road. Linda's gonna step back and follow Zen and go on and get a bunch of jars and stuff. Yeah, we'll kind of tiptoe up the precarious stairwell and come back with, like, arms full of jars and start to fill them with honey. Rill, are you still um, face-to-face with the sleeping bee, or have you extracted yourself by now? I think I wouldn't leave without you guys, so I think as soon as I filled my jar, I'd be, like, backed up as far away as possible from Berta while I waited for you. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm gonna say that like as we get these jars together and it's like a lot of jars like we're gonna we're gonna be struggling to carry these back but we're starting to get all that situated and then there is just this hugely impossibly loud crash from outside that echoes through this tree the crash of thunder Rill's eyes are so wide (laughs) here's a thing that I uh, read in the book these seasons, one of the spring seasons is called monsoon. Mm. Uh-oh. So I've decided we're in monsoon season. And yeah, it's torrential rain. So the seasons, like the places, have like choices and aspects and stuff. And it says, choose one that this place lacks. The others are all present. So torrential rain, brief moments of clear skies, and beautifully green plant life, and brooding clouds. I'm gonna get rid of the brooding clouds, because we've had, like, the nice garden and the clear skies, and now we're getting the torrential rain. Oh, good. (laughs) (laughs) Fen the otter, like, squeaks a little and runs into the tree, carrying Rill's portable shrine. And as they get through that little entrance, the rain just starts to pour down. And this is probably why the bee is still asleep, because it's wet out there and Berta's got nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, poor Berta. I think she's just like hibernating a little. Yeah, I mean, they, they do, well, they winter. I guess that's not the same thing. So <laughs> Linda's going to sort of like nervously peek down at Rill and be like, is everything okay down there? I think so. It's still asleep, which I don't know how it slept through that, but I'm pretty glad it is still asleep. I guess we should really quickly fill the jars and then I'm trying to decide if we have a good plan to get back without getting soaked or struck by lightning or washed away or any of those. I think we just have to hoof it. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's pretty wet out there. Fen has uh, set down the shrine and they found a new interesting thing to look at, which is the inside of this tree. There's like, wow, this is really cool. It is. I didn't come in here last time. I was scared of the bee, but I'm more scared of the lightning. That's probably a good call. Um, listen, this is very important, okay? You can't come in here without a grown-up in the future, okay? I am scared of the bee. Okay, that's that's a that's a good decision. That's that's wise. So let's let's keep using our inside voices and uh, we'll get as much honey as we can and then we'll head back and and we'll all maybe uh, get get nice and dry by the fire, okay? Okay. I think the lightning lives here. Hmm. I have no idea how Linda would respond to that uh, because <laughs> this world is a little bonkers, so. But also that, kids just say shit like that. Yeah, it's like it's like 50-50 as to whether, like, <laughs> yeah, it probably does. And, like, uh, I don't think so. So, uh, I guess Linda's gonna, gonna look at Fen and say, may, may, maybe it does. I think the lightning lives here, they say again, more confidently this time. <laughs> Linda's teaching this kid very wrong things about science. (laughs) She says, well, maybe, but let's talk about it later. Let's get some honey for now, okay? Can I help? I don't see why not, as long as they're careful. So yeah, they'll they'll scoop some honey into the jars also. Yeah, Drill just helps you all scoop honey into the jars, being very careful of the bee. Scooping. Scooping. We've got just like Winnie the Pooh-sized jars of honey now. (laughs) When we've got about as much as we can carry, Linda is going to put Fen on her back and put her cloak over her and Fen and carry as much honey as she possibly can and just be like, I think we're just going to have to make a break for the tree line. You can hear the rain pouring down. It's like big sheets of water and it's pounding against the tree and raindrops hitting against the outside and just like the rest of the forest, it's honestly pretty musical, but you are going to get very, very wet. Zen has taken off her huge scarf that seems to unravel forever, and she's using that to sort of bundle up a bunch of these jars to help her hold on to all of them. And she picks up Rill's shrine and sort of gestures at Rill, offering to help Rill get situated with that. Yeah, Rill just puts the shrine back on their back, and then they put their their cloak over the shrine, and then on top of them, and then they kind of pick up the jars that they can, and then they're just like, "All right, let's let's boogie." 
So I'm going to say that as we are exiting the tree, as we're like squeezing out of that little opening, we see like in the distance a covered wagon approaching and it's pulled by a, a big old pill bug. Oh, an Uber. <laughs> Our ride is here. What do you think? Are we gonna Are we gonna wait for them to get here, or are we gonna run to them? I think or we can, run we should, away. I think we should run to them. Yeah, I think we should we should run to them because we don't want to be in here with the bee any longer than we have to. But covered wagon, better chance than just tree line. All right. So yeah, we then will sprint towards the wagon with an armful of jars of honey. And sitting in the front of that wagon is Dolly, the, the, the farmer from earlier. Yay, Dolly! Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Dolly. <laughs> so uh, Linda sees, sees her coming and um, starts just starts hollering and saying, Wait, stop! Wait for us! She seems to be headed for the big tree. Oh, well, that's great. That's yeah, convenient. conveniently. Yeah. So she like pulls up on the reins of the pill bug who stops waddling and raises a brow and is like, oh. Hi to you too. <laughs> Linda's gonna sort of uh, duck in the back and get fed in the back of the wagon and set some jars down and say, sorry uh, for just for just dumping things in here. We um we were collecting some honey. We uh, we found where the feral lives. And uh, we're we're headed we're headed back to the festival. Um, if you don't mind, if we hitch a ride, it's um, it's pouring out here. Yeah, yeah. Get back in the wagon. You don't have to be out here like this. It's. Did you say Berta lives in there? Yeah, she's she's got a, a big old nest in there, and it's chock full of honey. Is she there now? Yeah, sleeping. she's sleeping. Yes. All right, I'll have to be careful then. And you'll notice that in the back of the wagon there are like. A few wheels of cheese, a few jars of jelly. Not a lot compared to how much was at the festival, but a little offering. And it seems that her intent was to place this at the tree as an offering. Is there a god or something you're offering this to? Fen says, the lightning lives here. What does that mean? And the farmer says... The kid's right. The lightning lives here. What does that mean? She says, well, if you help me get all of this inside and get your honey in the wagon, uh, I can tell you on the way back. Okay. Yeah, sure. This is a good trade. Linda's happy to uh, to help help Dolly da- drag everything out of the wagon. Yeah. So it's not much. It's There's not as much offering as you have honey. Which is encouraging, because it probably means you have enough honey to replace all of the jelly that had crashed on the ground earlier. We get all of the, uh, all of the, f- the food into the, into the tree. Dolly is insistent that we get it inside and out of the rain. But then we're back in the wagon, which is covered. It's nice and dry. Yay! And she turns her pill bug around, and we're headed back to the festival. All right, so what is this about the lightning losing the tree? Well, there's a story around here about the lightning dancers. And it's tradition every year on festival night to bring them a little bit of a little bit of our bounty. 
And Fen pipes up and he's like, oh, oh, can I tell the story? Linda uh, looks over at him and nods and says, go ahead. I want to hear the story. All right. I've, I've written a little fairy tale, which is taking from all of the uh, the folklores that we've assigned over the course of this. Yes. Nice. Tell us a story. So you're all sitting in the back of the wagon, soaking wet, surrounded by honey. The pill bug is pulling the wagon mostly evenly across the, the undergrowth and the foliage and the leaves. And you're headed back to the festival and Fen sits down in the middle of you. There's the sense that like if they had a flashlight, they'd be holding it up under their face. Like <laughs> it's it's sleepover story time. And Fen starts to tell you their story. Across the lake, there's a big city, and during the war, a lot of people fought over it. The people who lived there started to get hungry. They didn't have fields to grow their own food, so they had to get their food from somewhere else. The king sent a big ship with one of his meanest captains. The captain's ship had cannons on it, and he could shoot fire from them. He threatened all of the villages on this side of the lake, and he demanded their food. He didn't think that they would be able to fight back because they were just farmers and stuff, but it was monsoon season and the farmers were still planting. They were still eating their cheeses and their jellies from the winter. The captain told them to bring him all the cheese and jelly. He didn't care if they would starve. The farmers were scared, but they knew the captain didn't think they could stop him. They said that the roads were all washed out from the rain and it would take them a few days to get the food to the ship. So he agreed to wait. The people gathered a small bit of their food, but they didn't bring it to the ship. Instead, they took it to where the lightning dancers lived. They offered it to the lightning dancers and asked for their help. That night, there was a big storm. The lightning dancers appeared in the sky and danced on the ship, breaking it apart and tossing all the cannons into the water. The captain and his sailors washed ashore, and even though they had been really mean, the farmers saw how hungry they looked. They gave the soldiers a little bit of their food and said they would have been happy to help if the sailors had come when they had more and if they hadn't threatened them and everything. So the soldiers stayed there because they were stranded and all, but they helped the farmers plant twice as many crops. And by the time harvest came around, they had built a new ship that didn't have any cannons on it. And they took the extra food home to the city. Now every year for the monsoon festivals, we bring the lightning dancers a little bit of food to thank them for their help and remember how important it is to share. At least, that's what my mom says. And the kid grins, really proud of himself for telling that whole thing by by themselves. That's a really nice story, kid. Linda applauds. She loves it. This is a really nice story. Well, I'm I'm so glad that, that we got to hear the story and I'm really glad we're bringing back so much honey for everyone so that we can all share. Zen has uh, opened one of the jars of honey and is tasting it. How is it? It's the best honey I've ever had. <laughs> Linda takes some too. Yeah, real dips some and takes a takes a taste. I think we can. Uh, I think we can share a jar for ourselves. Yeah. I wonder if we'll be able to bring it back with us. Oh, oh I okay. hope so. I want to make some honey cakes with it. Ooh. Yeah. I, I don't know get what a dumpling honey cake some. is, but I want one. <laughs> Rill also offers out a finger full of honey to the little tiny gods that live in their shrine. <gasps> and 
the nameless one that's been hiding pokes its head out is also like a shimmery little wisp and they just have like three little gods nibbling at their finger for honey (laughs) oh i love them so the wagon starts to roll back into town it rolls past the farm And, Linda, you see that a little tent has been, a little tarp has been erected over the enclosure where your your bees are. Good, I was just worried about that. I was literally just worried about that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad they're warm and dry. And there are even more tents at the festival grounds than earlier. They're used to the rain. They're kind of expecting the rain. It's monsoon season. But underneath these tents, there is a party going on, and food is set out, and they see you coming, and uh, Zen, like, holds up a jar of honey, and everyone gets really excited, because the honey has arrived. Honey, honey, honey. (laughs) So people start to head towards the wagon to help you unload the honey. And I'm going to say one of these people is Fen's mother. Oh, good. Who has come to the festival knowing where her child wanted to go. This mama otter is equal parts livid and relieved. As a mom would be. (laughs) Yeah, I think Linda's going to go over and introduce herself just so uh, that mama otter knows that, like, someone was keeping an eye on Fen and that, like, you know... There was a responsible adult with her child. Yeah, there's there's adult supervision, and they were going to bring them right back home right after this. So Linda goes over and, and chats and makes sure that she says that Fen was a, a perfectly well-behaved child. They weren't, but you know. Fen says, I saw a big birda. Oh, no. And Fen's mom just goes a little bit pale. Uh, It's okay. Big birda was sleeping, and... Fen was nowhere near Big Berta. Oh, thank you so much for finding my baby. Yeah, uh, you know, they kind of just ran into us, but I think it ended up working out, huh? And real pats the kid on the head. Fuck. (laughs) I don't know where they heard that word. (laughs) No clue. A lot of people here are very coarse mouthed. It's a little alarming. Yeah, I think now all we have to do is attend to the party. Yeah, let's uh, let's party down. Party. Let's party down with everybody. We're we're eating cheese. We're eating honey. We're eating bread. We're uh, I imagine that everyone's making toasts together. Toasts to the lightning dancers. Toasts to uh, to the harvest. To togetherness and sharing. To survival. Um, to moments of peace, even in the midst of roaring storms. And literal toast to rub the cheese and honey on. Ooh, sounds good. Yeah, the whole festival smells like baked bread. Ooh. it sounds Just kind amazing. of warm and sweet. And I have a question now that I've wanted to ask the whole game. Mm-hmm. How does this place feel like home? I think for Linda, what home has always felt like is quiet, simple moments with people you love. So she's had these feelings wash over her when she was like 
coloring with her nephew or having a cup of tea with her sister or um, feeding the stray cats outside her apartment. That's always been what home has meant, just these simple, quiet moments. And so she's sitting there. She has a glass of wine in one hand and warm toast with honey and cheese on it. And she's looking around and sees Fen and their mom and sees Zen and Rill laughing about a dirty joke that Zen just told. (laughs) And... It just feels like home all of a sudden. Rail is a beautiful, innocent baby and knows nothing about the sex. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Rail has told dirty jokes or, or at least Probably. laughed or at least laughed at them. Yeah, Rail also knows plenty about sex. So <laughs> <laughs> I think for Rill, uh, you know, they've been struggling with what home means, but I think on an instinctual level, at, at the surface level of their brain, it's kind of these gatherings of lots of people just like being close and warm and cozy. And it reminds them of their family. This is, which is pretty big family. They have, you know, two brothers, a sister, mom, dad, I think like two dogs and a cat or something. And so they have a pretty busy household um, and just gatherings like this remind them of of their family for zen i think this is the first place that she's been during her archivist travels where there have just been a lot of lizards around because i think there are i think there are at least several other lizard people here in this village and she's fairly close to her own body here and it's a fairly pastoral, simple, non-modern setting. And so there's just a lot of factors here that come together and make this place seem familiar, even though it isn't. And so it's part for her that it feels like home. And it's part for her that she begins to think that this feels like what home should be. This is what she would like her home to be instead of the empire of war that it actually is. Just seeing all of these different people coming together. Some of the people here have been kind of like gruff with them, a little grumpy or cranky perhaps, but like in the end, everyone's here for a common purpose. Everyone's here to come together and help each other in the end. And that's sort of a hopeful feeling for her. Linda is broken from her sort of uh, nostalgia and homesickness and uh, looks over at Zen and Rill and says, this is maybe my favorite mission we've ever been on, but I did realize I haven't felt an anomaly the whole time we've been here. Have either of you? No. Is that bad? That feels like it might be bad. Zen opens her journal, and there's no further instruction. Actually, that's a lie. There is a further instruction. Written beneath, help prepare for the festival. There's a check mark next to that, and now underneath is, attend the festival. And she holds that up to the others and says, it looks like we're where we're supposed to be. Interesting. Well, I mean, is this retirement? Are we retired? Are we dead? Maybe we die? it's a corporate retreat. Interesting. 
I mean, last time there wasn't really an anomaly either, right? So... Oh, I guess you're right. I mean, some maybe sometimes they just want us to do stuff. Yeah, but what we did last time seemed important. Like, we had to help those people to make sure everything was on track for the future. We didn't do anything important here, did we? Um, we made sure that kid got back to their mom. We helped honor the lightning dancers, and maybe it's just important for us. Maybe this is the, um, it's like the employee assistance program. They're, they want us to take care of ourselves and take care of each other, and maybe this is Minerva's way of saying thanks. Like, like therapy? Yeah, you know. I think they have a therapist back at the library, I just haven't seen them. But I mean, this is kind of nicer, I guess. Well, I'm not going to question it. I'm going to have another glass of wine, and I'm going to eat bread and jelly until our journal gives us more instructions, or Dumpling pulls us back home. Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. And then Zen sees a hot lizard on the other side of the festival grounds <laughs> and makes a beeline for them. <laughs> beeline. <laughs> Linda's going to uh, take the opportunity to uh, pack up a little tiny jar of honey to uh, bring back to the bees here in a little bit, just to, to make sure they're being looked after too. Yeah, I think Rill just hangs out with their little gods who are flitting around them. The little uh, nameless god is maybe like resting in their lap and the other two are being little party animals and Rill's just kind of taking in the sights of all these people being with their family and friends. And Rill, I'm going to say your little shrine has attracted a whole gaggle of odd children led by Fen. <laughs> oh, hey there. <laughs> but it's also attracted several other spirits that oh. have like come to to dance and play with their fellow spirits who live mm-hmm. in your shrine. Yeah. They're sort of the uh local gods and spirits that belong in this place. Oh, cute. I love them. Yeah, I mean, you guys are welcome wherever, you know, Mikasa, Sukasa. I guess they have Spanish in Rill's world. <laughs> I mean, they have English, so true. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we're all we're all taking our our moments of joy. Linda's feeding the bees honey and petting them, and Rill's hanging out with the gods, and Zen is uh, lizard flirting. Yeah. What's different about lizard flirting? It's flirting with a lizard. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. It's, sometimes the answer is very simple. <laughs> is there is there anything else going on at the festival or anything else that uh, that we that we want to make sure we do? Anything anyone wants to see? Any loose ends? No, I think we're good. I don't think so. I think this this it like all like came together really nicely. So, how long do you think we're allowed to linger here? I think like a few hours, right? Yeah, I think I think until the party starts to calm down a little bit like so people start to trickle off and yeah like it's time for the little ones to go to bed and some of the ones who maybe were up farming all day are ready to turn in early and uh, they're still reveling but it's starting to calm down a little bit yes people are starting to like break into smaller groups you can hear people telling stories and folk tales over campfires they're starting to run out of bread and cheese Mm mm-hmm 
Oh, that's definitely when it's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> There's still this feeling of like peace and calm and community, but it's, uh, you know, it's winding down. I think Rill's kind of had something on their mind for a bit. They might want to talk to someone about it, but I don't know, is Zen off fucking or <laughs> is Linda <laughs> available or are you both available? Linda's definitely come back. She wanted to check on the bees, but it's it's bead time. So uh, she she left them to all curl up and sleep in their pen. So Aww. Zen also gravitates back after a little while, looking a little happy, but... Uh-huh, I bet. <laughs> so maybe think- it's just the three of us. Like like they've they've put away um, some of the daytime stuff, but they use some of the honey and some of their preserved spices to make a big batch of mold wine. So Ooh. all of us have a mug full of hot mold wine and we're sitting maybe by a bonfire and just sort of just like enjoying each other's company. Yeah, I think Rill would kind of pipe up after some silence and just be like, have you ever wondered how much time has passed in our own worlds? Yeah. Oh, jeez. I think about that a lot. Yeah. I guess seeing Fen and their mom, it just made me wonder if my family's worried about me. Or maybe not. Maybe it's only been like a day or something. Maybe even less than that. But if it's been like months or years, am I just... Did I just disappear and they don't know where I went? Do they think I'm dead or something? I don't think we have any way to know. Yeah. Sometimes when I'm anchoring, it's like y'all are only down there for a few minutes or a few hours. Sometimes you're down there for more than a day and I'm just sitting there and waiting. I don't know if there's any pattern to it. Yeah. I don't know. I'm like worried about that, but is it bad that I don't I don't want to go back yet. Or ever. I mean, I don't know yet. It's like, I never really knew what I wanted to do back home. But here, I have some purpose, you know? I like to think I'm okay at it. So, I don't know if I want to go back. But like, you know, I don't want my parents to worry or my family to worry either. So, I don't know. Zen puts a claw on Rill's shoulder. Linda does the same, and she sits quietly for a moment, and she says, I don't think there's anything wrong with not wanting to go back yet, but I do wish there was a way to just let everyone know we're okay. If there is, we'll find it. People have been so distant in the library lately. Yeah. It's been weird. I wonder if we just reached out and talked to everyone. If if anyone else feels like this, if anyone else knows. What if they're all talking to their families and we just don't know because we've never asked each other? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there is that one guy in the world with all the trees. He was a librarian. He was an archivist and he made it back home and like was like a remote worker but <laughs> for his back on his home planet you know last time I was at a party it was the last time I was on my world and it was a rainy day like this too 
but I guess we kind of know how that ended up. I, I ran away. Because <laughs> it was all just a lot, you know? But, I don't know, I feel bad about... I feel bad about running away now. That's how I got here, too. Running away. Yeah. Ducked through an archway. Found myself here. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think I've been running away for a long time, one way or another. Well, I'll tell you what. The three of us, let's make a pact. No more running away, okay? We always have each other, and we always have a common core of strength to work from, all right? Yeah, that sounds nice. Linda holds holds out her pinkies to do a pinky promise with you two. I know I've been thinking about trying to find my way back, but I think the library is going to need us all here. It feels like something's coming. Whatever it is, we'll face it together. And then after that, we can get you back home. Yeah. Real cooks their pinky for a pinky promise. Zen hooks their pinky claw. <laughs> pinky claw. And I'm gonna say that when we all hook pinkies, that's probably when we're uh, whisked away. Dumpling loves narrative beats. <laughs> <laughs> Dumpling's so good at this. As we find ourselves pulled away from Haith, as we feel our body reshape themselves into something more familiar, we begin to wonder why we were in that world at all. There was no anomaly. The people barely needed our help at all. The only bad feelings to speak of were maybe our doubts, our guilt, our fears, our feelings of inadequacy and helplessness. Maybe that was the anomaly. The sense that we carry worlds on our shoulders. Maybe the library just wanted to show us that simple things and simple acts are just as important and meaningful as the big ones. Maybe the library needed to bring us back into balance. Or maybe the library was just apologizing for the difficult choices it asks us to make by letting us make a difference in small, mundane ways. Maybe. And then we're back in the book drop, feeling like no time has passed at all. Feeling renewed and hopefully a little more at peace than we were before. Dumpling, we brought that honey. Yeah, let's. Uh, I'm going to vote that the honey made it through the. Uh, <laughs> Me yeah. too. Yeah, we've got yeah. we've got Haith honey. Yeah, we've got we've got the good shit. Feral giant feral bee honey. Hell so, yeah. Uh, I think Linda's going to uh, give Dumpling a little a little pat on the head and say, "I don't know about you all, but uh, I'm not sure I've had enough honey yet. Let's go do some baking." Yeah, honey cakes, honey cakes, honey cakes. Honey cakes. Honey cakes. <laughs> I want the little god, the little nameless god, to have made it back too. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I don't see why not. It's just a just a small little guy. Just yeah, just a little, little guy. guy. Yeah, <laughs> flitting around, flitting around your shoulders, and uh, the the now five of us go off to go make some honey cakes together. Yeah. Yeah. Put a little chef hat on Dumpling and the little god. <laughs> Linda's slightly jealous that, that Rill has two pets. <laughs> well, it's a god. It's not really a pet. <laughs> Rill's always been the ranger. That's true. <laughs> Gee, Billy, how come the library lets you have two magical pets? <laughs> and we don't know what Dumpling is. 
That's fair. Is is Dumpling Rill's pet or is Rill Trump Dumpling's pet? I think Rill might be Dumpling's pet. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well, that was nice. It was nice. I'm going to end this by saying that I think the smell of honey cakes brings other archivists uh, out of Aww. the woodworks to share in our bounty. That's cute. I think the I like that the, very much. The little god has fun cooking with with us and serving honey cakes. This was the this was the anti dungeon bitches. <laughs> it was. Everything ended up all happy and we had good friendship moments and there were so many bees. There were so yeah. there was not a single bee in dungeon bitches. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's not just called the, dungeon just the bee word. It's yeah, it's not it's not dungeon beaches. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Um, I'm gonna propose a new scale, which is which is the can I pet the bumblebee scale. <laughs> and so far, yes, I can. A plus. Is that a scale or is that just a yes no? <laughs> I guess it's just a it's just a yes no. But I am proposing it's the Ziva McPherson bumblebee rating scale. If a game okay. lets me pet a bumblebee, it yes good. And if it doesn't let me pet a bumblebee, to be determined. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> no, I I like I liked this. Yeah, me too. It was very yeah. It was very cozy. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, well, let's just... let's go let's go about this the way we normally do. Okay. Uh, yeah. What what did what did we like about this? I liked the collaborative making stuff together like doing that on our own was also cool like with the npcs that was also fun but i think the collaborative nature of it made it better yeah and comparing my solo experience with wander home it was just like it was still like really interesting and fun to do it on my own but having other people to work off of was just like you know it, it just had a nicer sense of belonging and togetherness and stuff like that yeah i absolutely agree i really had a good time generating the kith beforehand but doing the the places together felt awesome because it would be like one person would have an idea and we'd use that to snowball into a bigger idea and then by the end we had this like living very environment exactly this like really like rich environment that felt very lived in despite the fact that we literally were coming up with it as we were playing like there was maybe like a tiny bit of off-screen planning but very little the vast majority of stuff that we came up with you all are hearing um and so it it really it's really amazing how you can take these little seeds it gives you and and spin it up into something that feels so rich um, and I, I just really liked that. Like, this is like a very thoughtful way to have this kind of storytelling game. And even how like one place, one location would like sort of guide us towards the next one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and it all like ended up being very connected. This was, I don't know, this was a, a really beautiful thing. Like it felt more like a world building experience. Yeah. Yeah, it did. I would almost be tempted to use the like places and traits in a non wander home game to help generate the world before you start playing it. Like it's that rich and collaborative. Yeah. But also very simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they give you enough flavorful prompting to like really send you places, but also 
its vibes, I guess, is the best way to say it. It really mm-hmm. captures the exact vibe it's hoping for. Yeah, it for really sure. does, yeah. And that vibe is cozy and warm. And thoughtful and introspective. You know, the the conflicts in this game were all, like, very small and interpersonal. Yeah, I also, just on a personal level, am so attracted to the idea of, like, all of the wildlife as these, like, giant bugs. And it's not, like, gross and scary. It's, like, you have a herd of bumblebees. Yeah. Um, Yeah, and, like, uh, when we first started, Dorka mentioned the cricket hopping off like a deer um, I just love that. And I also love just these like small little gods that are are literal beings that are just kind of like hanging around, like they're very imbued into the world, but in a very small way, not not in like a, a big divinity sense. Um, yeah, I just thought that was like very, very, a very cool touch to the world that gave it a lot of personality. Yeah, this is not a game for like epic sprawling chosen one narratives. This is a game for simple people doing simple things yeah, some l- little guys finding honey yeah <laughs> it's the uh it's the opposite of 13th age that way too where in that one it's like yeah. you're unique you're special you're the hero and in this one it's like you're just a little guy and i'm yeah. like oh like the the breadth of what a tabletop game can mean that these are on like exactly opposite ends of the spectrum but they're both so wonderful mm-hmm. yeah. like I feel like this game had a lot of wild sea and a lot of heroic chord in it. And those yeah. are some of my favorite games that we've played on this podcast. So, yeah, very much so. This like sense of collaborativeness and rebuilding after a calamity reminds me a lot of heroic chord and the yeah. sense that there's magic imbued in the universe and in the way the magic manifests is really different but heroic court is that same feeling of like of like magic is is just a part of the world right like it's something that is equally accessible to everyone so what do we not like so much about this game i mean i'm always personally not a huge fan of the token system it's just kind of it's just always hard for me to use personally so that's not like an indictment of the system itself that's just for me personally i'm just not big on tokens like it was it it was always hard to try to figure out an action based on what to do with the tokens if i was ever stuck especially since a lot of them are just like observe the beauty of the world and it's like okay but how does that move the story forward (laughs) you know like um which you know i mean that's kind of the point of the the game you know is it's not necessarily about moving the story forward it's just about experiencing what's around us you know um so so it it was like you know kind of as we said it was hard to get used to that it's still a bit of friction for my brain at least to try to figure it out but that's more me and not the game itself yeah i feel like this game and henshin both have that token system but i feel like they're used in very different ways like in henshin gaining and losing tokens are both like very intentional story beats Mm -hmm. and here it is much less so um i kind of felt like the token system was unnecessary Yeah. yeah i feel like this game functions just as well like with just having the like creating the places and the natures and the people um and just having that list of like things you can always do like just those flavor things i feel like there was never really a time when like i was 
trying to either gain or use a token. Like, I just... Yeah. I didn't really use those lists, and I didn't feel like I had to, because if we had been, like, really strict with the tokens, like, if one of the things you use the token for is to, like, solve a problem in a small way, Mm -hmm. then, like, it feels more limiting than I think the game intends it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were coming across and solving small problems constantly without necessarily, like, making the effort to gain or spend tokens. Right. Yeah. So it kind of just seemed like extra game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I felt very much like the tokens were, A, I thought trying to tell a story while also trying to keep all of the things that gain or cost tokens in mind was a little distracting. And if I was going to play this again, I would just house rule, just ignore the tokens. I did notice after proposing that Linda could give honey to the goat grocer that that's actually one of the things I'm supposed to take is like a like a season advantage um, is that that's one of the things you can spec into is spending a token to give something from your bee flock. And I'm like, I, I get it. But also like that makes like narrative sense to me. I mean, we didn't play we didn't play super tight with the tokens anyways, as you could hear. Yeah, I the tokens were really, really the only major downside for me is like, I just didn't think they were necessary. They aren't awful. Um, It wasn't like it like ruined the gameplay. But it's like, I would just ignore them in the future when I was playing this with friends. Yeah, because the the things that the tokens do is like, if you have to spend tokens to do all those things... But they're not really. I this this sounded better in my head before I said it. But like in Henshin, spending a token is for like a much higher stake situation, right. and like gives you something concrete. Uh, like you have to spend a token to transform, but transforming is like a big deal and a big power upgrade. And in this game, like you can gain a token by looking at nature and spend a token to connect with someone on a personal level. And both Mm -hmm. of those things are like very vague and it just seems more natural for them to come up over the course of the narrative. Like if Linda, if, if we're saying that no, Linda cannot give something away without spending a token, that's weird. Yeah. 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 And it's not enforceable. Yeah. Right. Cause it's like, like in the sense of like a video game, let's say you transform or something, right? It's like a fighting game where you're building up a bar and then now you can do your super move or something. And that's the equivalent of like spending a token. But like giving away something that you already have, that's not like, that's not something you need a resource for. You Like you already have it. Why do I need to have a gameplay mechanic in order to do this thing that I can, I should already be able to do? If that makes yeah. sense, you know? Especially when so much of the game is just about, like, going with the flow. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's mostly how I feel. It's just that tokens break the flow and having to think about tokens breaks the flow. And it might be that if you're playing this, like, in the long haul, that the, the tokens become a moot point because you're you're spending and earning a lot of them. This may be a particular problem with just playing for, you know, a few hours together um, for the podcast. Um, but that's honestly really my only criticism is just that I thought the tokens were kind of extraneous. The other thing I will say real quick, if we're done with tokens, yeah, I'm done with tokens. 
Okay. The other thing I will say real quick is that this was harder to play online than I think it would be in person. Um, and this again, might just be my particular, um, my particular brain patterns. Um, but keeping all of the things you can do in mind with all of the places and kith is a little challenging online versus having them like literally written down on an index card and like passing it back and forth. Yeah. But that is like small potatoes. Um, I highly, I highly enjoyed this experience. I really liked it. Flipping through a PDF was slightly annoying, but the PDF is hyperlinked, which is better than some of the games that we've played in terms of accessibility in online form. Yeah, this really evoked for me, like the feeling of like sitting around a campfire and like telling stories together at night. And like, I just really want to do this in person with like a mug of hot chocolate and a fireplace. Yeah, that'd be nice. When are we doing our cabin retreat? (laughs) (laughs) Whenever y'all are in the area, we can do that. Okay, we're booking it. Yeah. All right, donate to our Kofi so that we can fund this trip. <laughs> yeah. Donate to our Kofi so that we can get together and play a game that you're not going to hear. <laughs> From the goodness of your heart. I really liked this game. I would highly recommend it. I would also highly recommend it if you have people who aren't sure how they feel about tabletop um, because it's like very freeform and easy to pick up and start playing. Like if you can tell a story, you can play this. And it's not as intimidating as I feel like some of the freeform games are because it's very much like, okay, we go to place. Let's make up place. Okay, what are we doing in place? All right, on to the next place. Okay, time for a festival. And so it's got a natural beat and flow to it that makes it, I feel like, a lot more accessible. And it just has really good vibes like it's just really nice this is just a nice game (laughs) yeah i i for the solo experience i would recommend it if you're ever just like in a writing mood but you don't know what to write like wander home is very good at giving you prompts as we've mentioned and just like leading you along where it feels very natural to be like draw these conclusions from the prompts they give you and turn it into like a story for yourself so that's what I would personally recommend it for if you wanted to try out the solo experience. It's it's very much like writing a story and you just have prompts to lead you along. Yeah, I just feel like, you know, we just kept throwing beats in there, like according to these prompts. And eventually these beats started to like line up and echo each other. And from there, like it starts to form a cohesive shape. And that was just like very cool to watch and mm-hmm. do. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to like use this game as like a world building tool in the future. Yeah. I feel it's, it almost feels like it's meant for that. Like, like if, if uh, Jade Dragon took just the world building tools and packaged them as a separate system, I'd be like, this game is rad. Um, And then you have all this like other beautiful stuff on top of it. So well done. Yeah. I, I, I think you're absolutely right though. Like I feel like the, the game explicitly is, more about the journey and more about the travel than it is about like saving people and solving problems so i wasn't like i i knew that intellectually before we played because i read the book but like didn't really understand it until we actually played that if that makes sense yeah it's it's got a feel to it and reading it does not give you the same exact feel as actually playing it the book definitely does have a feel, though. It's very... Oh, it does. Yeah, it's very pastoral. Any any other comments about anything Wonder Home? 
Wander home good. It was a very nice experience. I recommend it. Yeah. I had a thought that I just remembered when you said that like this would be this might be a good game for like people who aren't sure about tabletop because I was like ruminating on that and like this might be one of those games that might be easier if Dungeons and Dragons isn't your only experience. Yeah, definitely. Like going from D&D or the 13th Age or, or Lancer or any like really structured game like right into this would probably be difficult. This was less of a game and more of a collaborative storytelling experience. Yeah. This is one of those things where if you had a friend who like you enjoy like telling stories with um, or someone who's really creative who's a writer and you're trying to get them into tabletop, this would be a really good first step of like, like this is at its core what tabletop is. And then you add extra rules and mechanics on top of it to build something like a Dungeons and Dragons or a Pathfinder or a Lancer. Because um, at the core, right, that's really what it is. It would it would not be a great game if you're taking someone who's had D&D and then you're introducing them straight to Wander Home with nothing in between, unless their response to D&D is, I really wish there weren't so many numbers in the way of my storytelling, in which case, go <laughs> for it. This would be a, a great introduction. But a lot of people, like, that's their grounding. Yeah, like, I feel like we've played several games so far on this podcast that, like, advertised themselves as rules light but like actually had a surprising amount of rules <laughs> wander home is actually rules light yeah yeah it really really is there's there's almost no rules in this just the right amount of rules to provide some structure yeah like even the creating the places it's like yeah pick some of these whatever appeals to you and they don't even have to be literal interpret them however you want and everything has, as an option, something else of your own choosing. So, like, you can really just tailor this to the vibes and the feelings. This is a very emotional game. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. All right. Are we are we done with Wander Home? I think so. I think, I think we're done with Wander Home. So, we've decided what we're doing next, right? So yeah, um, for our next game, we are super excited. We're finally going to go back and hit our, uh, our our one of the big ones that we haven't done yet. So we are going to be playing Pathfinder next time. Against all of our uh, best efforts, we've finally <laughs> been persuaded to give Pathfinder a shot. Two-y, not one-y. Yes. To be clear. yes, we're playing second edition and we're going to have a very special guest, which, uh, yeah, can't wait to can't wait to to have that um, on on the airwaves for y'all soon. The the digital airwaves. Very special guest and fellow Rainbow Roll Network member. Yes, Woo! get hyped. It's going to be awesome. So, uh, yeah, that's it, I guess. That's it for this chapter. Thanks Thank for you. traveling with us, everyone. And thanks for listening always. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone. The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka, Bappy, and Siva. Find us on Twitter at, at TheArchivesPod or online at TheEternityArchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from ZapsFlat.com. Check out our show notes for more information and some helpful resources. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Subscribe to our Ko-fi for all sorts of exclusive bonuses, behind-the-scenes content, and other fun surprises. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 
member of the Rainbow Roll Network. Rainbow Roll. Our stories, our voices.